morning, everybody. We're back, and we want to thank our sponsors first. We want to thank SK Coffee. We want to thank Electro Voice, and we want to thank Olio. All right. Woo! Moving on to the important stuff. It's snowing. It's snowing back in Minneapolis. We had a couple weeks of very beautiful weather. Everybody was super excited. I was excited. I was in good spirits. But, you know, all good things must come to an end. We have a mid-April blizzard happening right now, and people are freaking out. Schools are closing down already, you know, days in advance. Things are <laughs> shutting down. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. They've been wrong before, but it's already snowing out right now as we're recording this. It's very light, though. Um, it's very light. However, Denver is supposed to drop from like 80 degrees into a complete blizzard today. Really? So um, another bomb cyclone is bomb coming cyclone. for Colorado. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, I'm, I think they think that the snow is going to... Same with here. Everybody's predicting the snow to be gone within a couple of days, and we're supposed to get a ton of rain next week. Yeah. So there's your update if you live in Minnesota, and if you live in Colorado, I'm sure you know that y'all are fucked. Yeah, and we're actually, we're, we're uh, by the time this episode comes out, I think it's coming out next Monday, the 15th, it'll probably all be gone, so this doesn't even matter. Yeah, this doesn't matter. We're just back up. What does, what, what does matter is uh, the other night I found this article and I was checking it out. Oh, of boy. The top five and bottom five Easter candies. I'm going to go through this one by one because I have some gripes with this list. Oh, my God. Okay. Tis the season. Tis the season to be grumpy. All right. We're going to start with the top five worst Easter candies. And we'll see. Megan, you haven't seen this. so Okay. Yeah. I'm seeing this for the first you're, time. You're this right is now. already making me mad. All right. All right. We're going to go through it one by one. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read these off and I want your opinion. This order is all wrong. I know. Okay. I agree. Okay. All right. Worst Easter candies. Number five. Solid chocolate bunnies. I fucking love solid chocolate bunnies. <laughs> I love solid chocolate anything in the form of anything. If it was in form of doo-doo and it was solid chocolate, I would love it. Yeah, solid chocolate poop. Yeah, this list is doo-doo. Okay. Yeah, All right. Well, I'd eat I think, it. I think what they're saying is, so it says these bricks of bunny-shaped... Oh, and by the way, this is called... The website we're reading this off of is gosanangelo.com. I don't know what San Angelo is. I'm assuming it's a city somewhere. Anyway... I think what they're referring to <laughs> for the solid chocolate bunnies is the big, huge ones. They seem ones. to be a subsidiary of the U.S. Today Network. So yeah. let's just say this is U.S. Today. USA Today, yeah. USA Today. All right. So I think what they're referring to with the solid chocolate bunnies. <laughs> it has to be USA Today because nowhere, no other country in the world gives a shit enough about this. <laughs> about Easter candies, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. It says these bricks of bunny-shaped chocolate can be intimidating and hard to finish. So I think they're referring to like the big, huge, brick. like the girth and like how so just like the big ones, the ones that are like maybe a foot tall, like those big bunnies. What are is like... wrong with that? Not on it, like a chocolate bunny. I know, I know. Come on. All okay. Right. All right. Number this four. Pe- this person doesn't like candy. I know. This, this person they shouldn't have someone who doesn't like candy write a list about the best and worst candies. But okay, whatever. All right, move, moving on. Okay. Number four. Chicks and rabbits marshmallow candies. Okay, so peeps. No, 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 no. These are different. Compared to circus peanuts candies, these marshmallows are described as stale and too sweet. Circus I didn't even peanuts, know this was a thing. Circus peanuts were voted the worst Halloween candy in 2018 uh, from CandyStore.com. And so I don't Whoa. know what these are, but they must be pretty bad because circus peanuts. I don't even know suck what those are. So bad. Yeah. Circus peanuts <laughs> are the only thing I know them for. Like their main usage is if you get somebody's car wet and toss circus peanuts on them, you can't scrape that shit off. It like 
coagulates. Really? Yeah, that's the that's the prank for somebody you really, really hate. Okay. It's not even a prank. This okay. is just evil, an okay. evil move. All right, moving on. Number three worst Easter candy. Which should be number one. Peeps. 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 Get the fuck is it, out You either here. love them or hate them. I'm... I on, hate them. I'm on the fence. Like I can it's eat like one. It's like Marmite. I can eat like one. Absolutely but not. I, would I say they're good? No. They are not good. They're disgusting. I eat one like every four years, and I'm I reminded of like why I, they're so hey, so. You want to know what I want to know? What? How many grams of sugar in a peep? Yeah. Look that up. Okay. What'd you find? One peep has seven grams of sugar. That's a lot of sugar. That's not as bad as I was anticipating, no. considering they can squeeze like 60 grams of sugar in a can of Mountain Dew. Right. But um, that's disgusting still. Yeah, it's just but a... It, I'm, I'm not, I can't say anything because I was just bitching about eating a chocolate bunny. Right. That's a foot tall. So <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so the reason I don't like peeps is like that sugar coating, you know? You bite into it and it's like crispy and it gets all over your lips. It's kind of gross. I've never been a fan of marshmallow really to begin with. Like no? a s'more is the only thing that... I'll What about like marshmallow topping on a banana split or something like that? No, I would never ever do no. that. Um, you know, I I make some dank edibles with fruity pebbles and some marshmallows. I, I like it in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it in hot chocolate. I don't I can't just eat a marshmallow. It feels unnatural. Mm-hmm. It's an unnatural substance. It's weird. It, it's texture is not for me. Okay. Um, so right. I hate peeps and I also hate cream filled things. So it's like double trouble shit that I hate. Okay. Okay. All right. So peeps should be number one, y'all. <laughs> number right. two. Number two. The numbers two. I, this is a thing? Worst. Yeah. I looked this up this actually. This is bullshit. Okay. So the number two worst Easter candy, according <laughs> to this, uh, Go San Angelo, which is a subsidiary of USA Today. Oh my God. It's bunny corn. So basically bunny corn <laughs> is candy corn, but uh. Pastel yeah, colored. It's pastel it's colored. It's pastel colored candy corn <laughs> called bunny oh corn. Oh my god! You know what? I like candy corn. I'm gonna come right out and say it. You do? I kind of like it. Okay, maybe I can eat like two of them. What about those giant candy corn? Pumpkins? Yeah. I like the pumpkin. I like the pumpkins. I like the pumpkins, <laughs> man. <laughs> do you like them too? Dude, I like the pumpkins. Like but it the was same like oddly satisfying. I know it's the same flavor, but I needed more of the flavor, I guess. What do you think about uh, the candy corns that have brown on the bottom that imply that they might be chocolate flavored? Ooh. Do you think they're do you think they are or do you think, think that's a placebo are. effect? I think they are. Okay, I'm not sure. Do you think that the different colors of fruity pebbles or the different tricks shapes are different flavors? No, I don't think they are. Man, because that really was a pipe dream of mine when I was young, especially That's, when it came to tricks. Yeah, no, I think it's all little all... balls now, by the way. They don't even have freaking shapes anymore, I really? think. Really? Yeah, they're all just little balls. Oh, man. Yeah, and like and then like a flower. I oh. liked them better when they looked like runts. No, no, no. Those R- are R.I.P. runts. That's no. an Easter candy for you. <laughs> no, those, uh, I think you're thinking about the tricks in the purple box. Those do have. What the fuck did I say? You're talking about tricks. No, I'm thinking of kicks. Shit. Yeah, you're thinking of kicks, you hundred-year-old man. Damn. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. I don't know my cereals yeah, anymore. Yeah, well, no, tricks are for kids. You don't have to know them. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Okay, um, so. Um, all right, the number one. Okay, now moving on. The number one worst Easter candy of 2019. Wait, wait, can we back up for a second, though, okay. and discuss why isn't there a large version item for Easter corn? Like, like just the big corn? No, like why isn't there like a bunny? Like the pumpkins. That come in like, you yeah. know, Thanksgiving candy yeah, yeah. corn or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's an untapped market. I think we should uh, jump on wow. this. Wow. All right. Yeah. I- <laughs> <laughs> okay. And number one. Number one. Number one all-time worst, or at least not all-time, 2019 worst Easter candy. Ew. 
the Cadbury cream egg, which I'm surprised at. I like the cream eggs. Again, I hate cream filled yeah, things. Mentioned I don't like Long John's. I don't like. Really? You don't like Bavarian cream at, donuts? No, it's weird. It's weird. And jelly filled donuts? No. Well, oh. mm, that's a lie. Like a I Bismarck? like fresh, like fresh jam, fresh jelly filled donuts. Okay. Like Granny's Donuts in Bozeman, Montana. Okay. They make this raspberry and this strawberry filled donut with homemade jam that Granny makes, and it's the bomb diggity. <sighs> okay. You know, I think Granny's dead, actually. I think Did that her son runs <laughs> oh, it now. Oh, shit. But, um, well, she had the idea. Sure, sure, yeah. And yeah. she made some delicious donuts. But right. anyway, Cadbury right. eggs. The Cadbury, suck. and now these are the full size cream eggs they're referring suck to. Suck an egg. They're the full size, like egg, egg size, normal egg sized cream eggs. And what they say is uh, finishing up the worst Easter candy is a treat that comes as a surprise, which I'm very, I am surprised. Cadbury cream eggs. The chocolate shells holding ah. a trove of creamy filling were ranked as worst of the worst. They the are biggest th- issue. With this classic is the mess. Biting through the chocolate shell That's a has reason a sugary that I hate ooze cream-filled things. And also, let's just assess the fact that it says right here that that nasty cream in there is fondant. What is that? That's that. That's what they make like really pretty cakes with on Cake Boss and shit that tastes like total nothing sugar bar. Oh, it's just yeah, it's just like structure. Sugar blob. Yeah. It's disgusting. Flavorless sugar blob. It goes on to say another issue is the ingredients. Originally, the shell was made from the Cadbury dairy milk chocolate, but that changed in 2010. They were bought by Kraft, and in 2015, the original chocolate was changed to, quote, standard chocolate mix. Yeah, also, they can get warm, and the egg will turn into a disfigured, leaking, falling apart mess in your hand. Okay, yeah, that that makes sense. All right, so Cadbury cream eggs, worst of the worst. So now that we got the bad news out of the way, we're going to get to the top five candies. Okay. Are you guys ready? Yep. As ready as I'll ever be. All right. Best Easter candies. Number five, Robin eggs from Whoppers. Now, I have a problem with this right off the bat because Whoppers are what? my least Whoppers favorite. Whoppers suck. Are my least favorite candy maybe ever invented. This is such a subjective list. It like, really this should is. have been written by like 10 people, not one. I know. Anyway. All right. Uh, they would have gotten in a massive argument. Now, here's what they say chocolate <laughs> with a crunch. Whoppers Robin Easter eggs hit the top five. Whether you're a fan of the taste or the color, Robin eggs can brighten up any Easter basket this season. Now, so here's my problem with this. They're talking about brightening up the Easter basket. They're not talking about the actual candy because the candy itself, in my opinion, sucks so bad. Sucks so bad. It's the grossest thing. And I like um, I like malts and shakes. Don't get me wrong. I like malt and milk. Great. But in a candy, in a Whopper, go fuck yourself. Yeah, I don't like Whoppers. I don't like... They're so gross. Like, I don't this want to... This is so to... boring. And also, I think... The, uh, who makes Whoppers? I don't know, somebody who should be in uh, hell, okay. like Satan's right-hand man. Okay, well, whoever does make Whoppers, just can we put a different kind of chocolate on the outside? Because that well, is really what bothers me the most, really? I think. I think what bothers me the most is that crunch. It just dries my mouth out. Like, who wants just a powdery bite? Yeah, or, you know? you know, if we're talking about this kind of stuff, getting into the semantics of different candies and stuff, I love me a milk dud, mm-hmm. but... Holy shit. It is a, like a workout. Yeah. Yeah. It's exhausting. For sure. Anyway. Anyway. All right. Moving on. Number four best Easter candy, the Lint chocolate carrot. And I had to look this one up. I what? wasn't sure what the Lint chocolate carrot. Where's this person from who wrote this shit? Yeah, I know, right? Uh, San Angelo, apparently. Uh, but anyway, the, the Lint chocolate carrot, I looked it up. It looks like a, as it says, wrapped in a bright orange carrot wrapper. Wrapper, the raptor. Lint, raptor, raptor, Ra- Ra- wrapped in a bright orange carrot wrapper. The lint chocolate carrot sp- uh, springs up thoughts of Easter. 
The quality chocolate with hints of hazelnut tops this treat into a new spot. So it's basically a solid carrot-shaped chocolate, hazelnut uh, chocolate thing. People say okay. it's a really good quality chocolate. Solid chocolate. It's like the solid chocolate bunny, but good quality. It's like the robin eggs dipped in good chocolate. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. All right. All right. Moving on. Now, I think everybody will agree with number three here. No, I don't agree that it what? should be at number three. It, should, it should be, be number, number one. one. Yeah, I'm saying this. And it I should would be say in the this top five. Any, All right. Any holiday Ready? related Reese's. The peanut butter egg. Number any three. Any holiday festive related Reese's peanut butter shape. Yeah. Is the best. Now, you know what I like about the peanut Except butter egg? Except for now egg? they make the big cup. Which has enough peanut butter for my liking. The big cup is nice. But that's but, the best thing about all the festive pe- Reese's is yeah. that they have way more peanut butter in yes. them than your average cup. That's what I was going to say. That's why I like the Reese's egg <laughs> is because... And the they, tree and the turkey yes. and the pumpkin. Wait, they make a turkey too? Yeah. they make It doesn't really look like a turkey. Oh. But like I've seen it. They okay. got And the pumpkin. They... Yeah. There's like several different seasons for Reese's. Mm. Okay. Oh, hey. So moving on. Number oh, two... Hey. Now, maybe this is was some of what? the confusion, was the hollow chocolate bunny. See, I thought that's what they were talking about back at, uh, in the worst of the worst. It is less daunting, and you can possibly eat it in one sitting. That's <laughs> so, their justification for why it's better. <laughs> yeah, but it, on number two, guys, really, I feel like there's a, like a big dichotomy here. There's a big disconnect with this whole list, because yeah. here is number one. Number one. The Cadbury mini egg, best of the best. You said worst of the worst was the Cadbury cream egg, but now you do a 180 and say the mini egg is the so best. So Cadbury wins worst and best. Shit. That's all I'm seeing. So they redeem themselves with these miniature, miniature treats. The mini eggs look a little similar to the robin eggs, but they're completely chocolate inside. Quote, they're far and away the most popular Easter candy in our store. From CandyStore.com said, there's something about these little eggs that's irresistible. The last line of this is great. <laughs> Several years ago, Cadbury took Easter off its packaging, which sparked outrage. <laughs> Cadbury said chocolate eggs were synonymous with Easter, so it wasn't needed. There you go. So, th- <laughs> all right. So, so funny. So to uh, go back and refresh your memory, the worst of the worst. Number five, solid chocolate bunnies. Number four, chicks and rabbits, marshmallow candies. Number three, peeps. Number two, bunny corn, and the worst of the worst, the Cadbury normal size cream egg. Now the top five best, Robin eggs from Whoppers, puke, lint <laughs> chocolate carrots, what the hell are you even? Uh, Reese's peanut butter eggs Whoa. should be number one. Hollow chocolate bunnies, which is, <laughs> I don't know, that's a forgettable thing. And yeah. then number one, um, the Cadbury mini egg, apparently. Okay, whatever. Synonymous okay, with Easter. The best part of this, I think, is that the, they've listed takeaways at the bottom of the article. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um, my favorite fact of this is that 81% of parents will steal candy from their kids' baskets. 19% claim they won't. <laughs> yeah, what a fun fact. Uh, that's a takeaway from this article? Okay. Nine million chocolate Easter bunnies are made every year. 90 million. 90 million. Wow, 90 I can't million. read. Wow. Um, yeah, and... Of those people who don't celebrate Easter, 33% will still buy candy. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's like a given. Hey, it's I on sale. I've been single for many years, but I still scoop up that Valentine's candy. Oh, my God. Yeah, and same with Halloween. Yep. I don't I'll pass out I'll buy it, candy. like, saying that I'm going to pass it out. Yeah. And then I, like, end up partying. And, and then eat I eat it in post. Yep. Yeah. I agree 100%. Yeah. You can get some Sorry, great... kids. Yeah. Hey, you can get some great deals old. at Walgreens and CVS on candies the day after... Uh, Dude, Halloween. my mom had a drawer in our kitchen growing up, the candy drawer. Yeah. And oh, it was... Everybody had a candy like drawer. Like a foot deep and, like, two 
like a foot down deep and then like two feet back. And my my friends knew where it was. And they would like, it was like the favorite part about coming to my house was like my mom had this freaking candy drawer and I wasn't a big sweets eater. So I would never really go in there unless right. maybe for like grab a tiny re- like mini Reese's cup once every few months. Right. But all my friends knew about that drawer. Nice. And my mom would keep it stocked <laughs> with, nice. I think, on sale candy from post holidays. Post holiday candy yeah. sales. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's anyway. awesome. Um, All right. Well, so things that you can candy. do when you have candy is maybe watch a 59-hour movie marathon put on by AMC oh, yeah. this weekend. They are going to play all 22 Marvel films back-to-back for 59 straight hours. Well, this hours. weekend? So this is gonna be, it's going to be after this comes out. Well, the point is that it happened, everybody. Yeah, it happened. I'm going to try to watch it. I don't get AMC, but oh, wait, I'm going to see what no, I can watch April it. No, April 23rd. So, okay, so coming up. Yeah. April 23rd. In a couple weekends, you guys can sit there for 59 hours and watch all 22 Marvel movies back to back to back to back to back. You know what I might while do? While you eat the top five Easter candies. I might sign up for a, a free week trial of... HBO? Sl- of Sling. <laughs> no, I have HBO already, but oh, yeah, I might I sign that. up for Sling and uh, then watch AMC all weekend. I mean, it, I I didn't know that there were 22 movies that have been made at this point. That's mind-blowing to me. Pretty sweet. And I've honestly really fallen off the wagon in that regard because as soon as it became like not about one superhero anymore and it became like, you know, Infinity War and like Avengers and then it was like 20 people's lifelines to keep track of and how they all fit together and like all this shit and it was really confusing and then like all of a sudden it felt like there was like five Infinity War movies out and I had missed the boat and I feel like I feel like about South Park about it because I just feel like I'm too far gone now. Right. Well, you know what? What? If I get my free sling membership, I'll give you my login so you can watch it this Sweet. weekend. Sweet. <laughs> we can text each other and say, I didn't oh, even know God. this superhero existed. I've watched actually a lot of them. Really? Yeah, I've watched a lot of them. There's been some of the series that like I've missed out on. Um, and then there's like the whole Marvel Universe, like the series, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And which like Jessica Jones Jessica and Jones and... The Punisher. There's The Punisher. I watched the first season um, of which was Daredevil. actually... Daredevil. Daredevil is really good. I thought the Punisher first season was really good. I think that all of the series that have come out about from Marvel have been all pretty well revered. Yeah, they're. I mean, yeah, they're they're really good quality as far as like you know TV shows. You know, I'm gonna go against the grain and say something that most Marvel people would shit on me for. I think this is like the Marvel equivalent of like saying that you didn't mind Jar Jar Binks, but I thought that Daredevil the movie with Ben Affleck and um, Jennifer Garner was good. Oh no! Oh no! What are you doing to yourself? What are you doing to yourself? Well, okay. Here? First of all, I saw it first for the first time when I was like, you know, 11 years old. Mm-hmm. So sure, you have to take that into account because I think nostalgia counts for a lot of your it opinion does. about music and movies. Oh, for sure. In post, like, yeah. definitely liked that movie, and everybody will hate me for saying this, but you know what, you guys, 12 year old me liked it, so just get over it. Yeah, uh, I actually liked the. There was back when I was like in middle school or like early high school or something like that. I saw the um, Marvel version of the Hulk, and it was really bad. Um, it, that was which? Who starred in that? Who played Bruce Banner in that? Oh man, it's um, like a one-off, dude. No, it wasn't. Yeah, but you're thinking of so they redid it with Mark. They did redid it with Ed Norton, and that was awesome. Okay, I'm thinking. But there of was Ed one Norton, before totally. that. 
There was one before that. Okay, I did not see the one before Ed it Norton. Was called, it was called Hulk from 2003. But who did they recast Ed Norton Eric for? Ba- so Eric Bana was the original Hulk. Okay, whoever that is. And, um, and then Ed Nick Norton. Nick Nolte was also in that movie. And that was a really terrible movie. I don't even remember it. And then they redid The Incredible Hulk with Ed Norton. And that was really pretty cool. And that I thought was, that was pretty good. And that was like the movie. It was. It came out before him, Iron Man. Yeah, it came out before Iron Man. And Iron Man 1 is what really like propelled the Marvel franchise. Definitely. Uh, into and like, Robert Downey Jr. Is. Everyone being just madly obsessed with him. I right. felt like there was just and And you know, for good, for good reason. I think he's a really good actor. I and agree. I think he's kind of a really interesting person to... Um, you know who I in don't general. think is that great of an actor? Gwyneth Paltrow. Is it really? just me? Oh, dude. You know what's so funny? It like, kind of drives me a little nuts. Gwyneth like Laura Paltrow, Linney. Gwyneth Paltrow in like anything else, I've never been attracted to her. But when she was Pepper Potts. And, <laughs> really? You liked Pepper Potts? Oh, dude. For whatever reason, I thought she was so hot. <laughs> that is so funny. And I was like, no, it came out of nowhere. I don't think she's nowhere. not hot or anything. Came I out just of don't really. She kind of bores me. Really? Yeah, I could see yeah, that. Yeah, you know, I felt that way about Natalie Portman for like a really long time in my life and until I realized that I hadn't seen Garden State yet. So my only judgment to go off like her was movie. literally was Queen Amidala. Yeah. So despite everyone's like indie pitchforky obsession with Garden State, Ugh. which the soundtrack of was pretty good. Yeah, whatever. You don't like Zach Braff, man. <laughs> no, I don't. Not really. I don't either. Yeah. I don't watch Scrubs. My it's, boyfriend did. Yeah, it's all right. Anyway. My only personal impression of Natalie Portman was literally seeing her as Queen Amidala. So I thought she was like this terrible deadpan actress when in all reality she was a great actress, which I like saw down the road when she came out with Black Swan, when she was in the Thor movies and things like that. Um, but but prior, my only like experience seeing her at all was in as Queen Amidala. And she I didn't get as a kid that she was supposed to be this... Boring, talk to the chancellor, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. that was her, that was the character that she was playing. I thought right. that was Natalie Portman. I was right. like, fuck Natalie well, Portman. She's the most boring actress on the planet. Right. And then I saw Black Swan and I was like, oh, that movie new was Natalie, awesome. who dis? Yeah, that movie was amazing. Dude, right? Black Swan was awesome. Plus, I mean, you can't like shit on anything that has to do with Mila Kunis, I feel like so. Uh, yeah, that's true. I kind of yeah, like her like, too. <laughs> name one thing that Mila Kunis has done that shitty. Change my mind. Go. Because you can't. Okay. Uh, to uh, yeah, I can't do it. So to change topics to um, to answer your question, change who they topics. Re- who they recast as the Incredible Hulk was uh, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, Mark Ruffalo. And he does a good job. But Ed Norton, could you? Well, Ed Norton's too big of an actor. That's like saying, oh yeah, Tom Hanks is going to be Iron Man for like. Is it 10 stupid movies. of me to ask if Fight Club came out before the Incredible Hulk? Um, no, that's not a stupid question. But the answer is yes by a significant amount of years. Okay. And well, there Ed you go, Norton everybody. Then in, you didn't have to ask. <laughs> Ed Norton has been in many, many great movies. If you haven't seen American History X, I highly recommend it. Uh, do you remember uh, there was a point in time in the 90s or like early 2000s when Ed Norton dated uh, Courtney Love? Oh, God. Because well, they were in a movie survived together. survived her, at least. Courtney Love was looking hot back then. Mm, God. She's not now. Something happened. I don't know. Something happened to her for like a year I where she was doing things huge... right, and then like she didn't. There was like this <laughs> giant argument on Facebook the other day uh, because someone had just watched Soaked in Bleach, which is a documentary that came out like probably two or three years ago, I think, about Kurt Cobain's death and how, I mean, it pretty much directly points at Courtney Love as yeah. doing it. 
Yeah. Well, there's been so many. I, I don't even there's watch been that a stuff lot anymore. Of, um, there's been a yeah. lot of docs that have come out about this. I would say this is like the most recent and like largest, most popular one. Anyway, mm. these people yeah. were having this vehement argument on Facebook about whether or not Courtney did it and how it was like such a conspiracy theory and people's only response to like someone saying like, okay, that's like one perspective. They're just like, mm. just watch the documentary. Watch right. it. Right. <laughs> it's like, okay, I get it. Um, I just don't want to be inclined, I guess, to believe every conspiracy theory that I hear. Right. Despite I shouldn't. say that she's and pretty shouldn't. bad shit and she seems pretty nuts and she probably would drive me to drink and stuff too. Uh, you know, the have you, <laughs> you heard the rumors or they're not even rumors. They're claims from um, from her that she says Dave Grohl, you know, former bandmate of Kurt Cobain and Nirvana, mm-hmm. um, is obsessed with her, like in love with her. And mm. she's claimed this for many, many years that's and like weird. a lot of the Foo Fighters songs are about her, and she claims that. Yeah, she has made these claims multiple times over the years. Oh my god! And speaking of that, I just saw a thing, and it was posted on April first, so I thought it was maybe April Fools, but it turns out it's legit. That Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters are touring with Weezer and Tenacious D, which is like a total perfect combo of that style of music for a lineup. I think it's a good one. It'll draw a lot of people. Unfortunately, it's only for... I was really excited when I clicked on the link because I thought it was going to be like a worldwide or like North American type tour. But it turns out it's only for a particular set amount of shows that are happening in South America. So if we have anybody out there listening in South America, uh, and I know we do actually based on our stats, so check it out. Like maybe you can go see that concert and it'll be cool. What is with, like, all these huge bands deciding, like, let's play the most ridiculous places ever this year with crazy lineups like Red Hot Chili Peppers playing at the Pyramids of Giza? Well, you know what? Like, the the way that musical trends happen in different countries are are much different. And rock music and hard rock music has always been super, super popular in South and Central America and Mexico. And they love that shit. And people have said to this day, like big rock bands, even like the Rolling Stones just put out like a, a live thing recently of playing in South America. And they get like the best audiences to this day, like most hardcore fans who I will feel like come out decades just, after decades to see it. Yeah. You know? Well, oh, oh my God, that reminds me. Holy shit. I was at, um, <laughs> I was at like Super America the other day. Yeah. And the woman it's who was- called Speedway now. Super okay. America doesn't exist anymore. Okay, whatever. That's true in many ways. So anyway, um- I was at Speedway, and the lady that was checking, the lady that was checking me out. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, the cashier had been talking to Haley, who was like checking out in front of me. Yeah. And um, she's like ranting to Haley about how Kiss is the one of the greatest bands of all time, and she had just gone to see them at the Target Center or wherever they just played when they were here in Minneapolis like a month ago or something like that. Right, And it was like their last tour ever. And she's just ranting on and on to Haley about how unbelievable it was and how those guys know how to perform. And if you want to see somebody that knows how to play music, that's where where you're going to go. And as Haley like checks out and everything, gets her receipt and walks out the door, this lady doesn't skip a beat. She keeps talking, telling her story as I walk up and she starts checking my stuff out and like ringing my stuff up and just keeps talking and oh that genie's 69 now he's still singing like he was 20 years old you'd never believe it you oh should see God. the way he moves just <laughs> shake those hips la 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 like literally and then I'm like okay thank you have a great day cool and she doesn't skip a beat again with the person behind me she keeps talking about Kiss yeah. until I literally walk out the door part of the Kiss army 
Yeah, Kiss Army. Kiss I, uh, Nation. And she's saying how she's seen them every time they've ever come to town. And so I'm just telling you, yeah, those people completely exist in America, too. I have a funny Kiss story um, that on. I don't think I've ever told you, actually. Okay, good. I So where I'm from in Wisconsin, there's this music festival that happens every year, like 10 minutes from my house called Rockfest. Yeah, it's the most generic name ever. But they get a lot of like cool bands and it. Like for years and years and years, I would go with a group of my friends because tickets are like a hundred bucks for four days and just be a, a cool party. And you got to see all these crazy eighties bands and seventies bands and more modern bands and whatever. Anyway, one time, one year kiss was playing and they were headlining like a Saturday night. And I went to it and I was like, so drunk that for whatever <laughs> reason, I thought the crowd wasn't into it enough that they were seeing kiss and like all the pyrotechnics and all this cool shit. And the crowd, I felt like, was lackluster. So I went around and was, like, trying to pump up people, like, around me. And I tripped over this guy's lawn chair and knocked over his <laughs> girlfriend's drink. And I got punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That is I so woke up the next day with, like, vague memories of it because I was so, like, blackout drunk. And I got, I remember, like, my right side of my face was like black and blue and just hurt. And I was like, what happened? <laughs> Talked to my friend because we were going back there again the next day. And he's like, yeah, that you don't remember that guy punching you in the face for spilling his girlfriend's drink? My <laughs> God. Like, man. You know, it's been a good night when you have to call someone and ask them what happened. Yeah. And especially if you have to call them from your friend's parents' landline because you can't find your phone either. <laughs> Which uh, yeah. brings me back to when I went to see, um, I went to see Cake at the Moose. Oh, nice. Cake's awesome Anchorage. live. Yeah. Yeah. It was like my shout out to Taylor Thompson. Um, she bought us two tickets to go see Cake at the Moose as my like goodbye present when I was moving back, um, down to Minneapolis from Anchorage. And um, it, it turned out we found out like the day before that it was a 21 plus concert that we had tickets for and we were only 20. So naturally I tried to jankily fashion us some fake IDs in Illustrator. And the guy like looked at him and like looked at me and like laughed a little bit and goes, have fun. And then <laughs> <laughs> we walked in and proceeded to get turned. And yeah. then um, I just remember waking up in my bed. So when I lived, I, I, when I lived in Alaska, I lived in like a separate sort of like basement apartment that was owned by some parents of um, one of my best friends, shout out to the Crandalls. And um, yeah, I remember waking up and I couldn't find my phone anywhere. And I had to like meander out into the, like the living room and like grab one of those old school, it was not like the dial phone, but you know, the one that hangs off the wall, not a non-cordless phone. I remember right, calling right. my friend, calling my phone, which was dead. Yeah. Uh, say, of course. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm there. I'm fine that at some point. Got to call my friend Taylor. And called Taylor. I'm like, what happened to us? And she had to like tell me everything that we'd done. And she's like, your phone's charging in the living room on the ground. I'm like, hey, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. If I had a nickel. So anyway. Uh, so yeah, cool. So yeah, I saw Cake one time too. And they have a vibro slap live, which is one of the coolest aux percussion instruments of all time. I don't recall that. You All would. I remember I'll show it to from... you after this and you'll know. Okay. 
All I remember from the concert, honestly, well, I remember the concert, but my favorite part of it was that when they played short skirt, long jacket, he just kept fucking with everybody and he would just hold out <laughs> hold it, the yeah. word long until everyone would just be like, jacket. And he, he would just keep holding it until the crowd had like given up and then he'd be like, jacket. Yeah. Just for everybody to be like, God damn it. Like we're all trying to sing along and the, the did, band would just hold it. Um, he did that. He wait, did that until when we'd I all try and then, yeah. Did that and then too. be like, nope, you're still wrong, bitches. Like That's you'll so never, funny. you're never gonna get it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so funny. we've been talking about Kiss. We've been talking about Cake. That's seventies, nineties, and more modern music news. Um, yeah, Getter canceled yeah. his tour, and this has so, been like a big this topic has been a deal. of debate yeah. because people are mixed. There's a lot of mixed feelings about this. The people who are like an underground elitist sort of like you're ruining the scene with your mainstream EDM kind of people are like happy at the demise of this artist, which kind of sucks, I think, because he didn't start out making mainstream stuff. He sort of became mainstream because what he was doing was good. Yeah. And people liked it. So like sort of he created his own pathway to the like the huge stardom that he had. And then, yeah, he came out with the Sadu thing and that was like a little gimmicky, I'd say. But and he definitely played off that like any smart person who has momentum from something would yeah, do. Yeah, man. I mean, so like what we do, like a lot of people think like musicians should be be true to your heart and like don't sell out and this and that. It's like what we do, we try to we do this because we love what we do and we try to make a living off of it. And if you can run down, if you see an opportunity like he had to run down that path, you go totally. for it. If and people are obsessing with one thing that you yeah. did, it's only smart of you to do more of that. Right. Duh. So right. anyway, I don't think people should be shitting on him just because he did that. Exactly. But, um, then exactly. He, did, he got sick of the crowd because people were getting so like elitist about dubstep and like just mocking him because he did make, because he did become so popular and because people couldn't enjoy like intimate settings with him anymore, and every concert that you go to see Getter at has like two thousand people minimum at it, you know, right. and people were just, I don't know, like I feel like I've seen a mix of people who are like, I've been an OG Getter fan forever, and like I'll always love what you do, man, keep doing it, and the other half is like, you sold out, bro, blah blah blah, you know, even though he's creating sample packs or I'm mean, tons of sample packs on splice and things like that. That probably is the source of like 50% of dubstep producers, like sound design arsenal is using sounds that get her made. Right. It's kind of funny that people are taking a big shit. It's on a lot of right irony now. right there. Yeah. But, um, I don't think it's really fair. And what happened is that he decided to, um, deviate from electronic music after just getting sick of like all the people that were telling him that he sold out by doing whatever, like, by doing, being himself. And he just got so sick of it that he decided to start doing hip-hop music. And this, like, new sound that he was going for was supposed to be, I don't know, his new happy place or whatever. And the tour that he, so he announced a tour, and I think he got, like, a few shows in, and people were straight, people had straight up bought tickets to basically boo this guy. Yeah. It's like, what? Oh, get a life. Yeah. You literally paid 40 bucks so you could come to this and just boo th this dude and throw stuff at him. That, and that's that was happening. People were throwing yeah, their people drinks throwing at him shit and shit. Out. Yeah. Um, and I saw Toffler post something that um, Feed Me or AKA Spore yeah. had mentioned about this whole situation. Um, he said, 
being dragged kicking and screaming into new eras of an artist's career is why they're kicking or why they're in the driver's seat and you're not. Nobody wanted Kid A, nobody wanted Sgt. Peppers, but we fucking got given them. Now how much richer are we? Exactly. That's so, so, that's so well said. Yeah. So I thought that was a good perspective. Shout out to Tockley for sharing yeah. that because I wouldn't have seen it otherwise. But I've never really seen Feed Me or Spore say anything that I haven't completely supported because he knows what's up. But yeah, I mean, and what how I feel about this, too, I've heard I've heard differing opinions on it and I don't know a whole lot about it. You know, way more about it than I. But he uh, he canceled his tour because he didn't want people to throw shit at him. And like is is what it seemed like to me or like people weren't digging it. I, I say don't cancel that, though. Like that's my gripe with him. Mm-hmm. I'm not mad at like him for going, diverting this direction and doing what he wants to do. And I am mad at his fans for or people going to the show and throwing drinks at him. Nobody deserves to get drinks thrown at them. People like if you don't like it, you can fucking go. I know. You know? I, I just don't think but, it's fair to tell to say like that he has to keep going. You know, telling people that they have to keep going is no, what I'm keeps saying, killing people. No, 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 no. I'm not saying he has to keep going. I'm just saying if he like, you know, it's his decision. Like, I don't have a problem with whatever he does. But if you don't, <laughs> no, I really I couldn't care less what he does. Yes. No, I'm going to tell him. You, you said that. T- yeah, you can tell him. <laughs> uh, but. I feel like, you know, just rub it more. I would I would be more inclined to rub it more in people's faces. Like, be, this is this is what I want to yeah, do. This is what I'm doing. Success is the best revenge. I completely agree with that. I just think he was at the end of his rope. And we see so many artists who say, hi, I'm at the end of my fucking rope. And then people say, yeah, but you have 100 people waiting to be paid by you for this mil- mm, like 20-stop mm. tour that you booked. And all these people that bought tickets and how everybody's counting on you and how could you do this and how could you, you know, whatever. Okay, right. goodbye, Amy Winehouse. Goodbye, Avicii. Goodbye. There's like, this is right. fucking happening like clockwork. Right. So I think it's, if he felt like he couldn't go on anymore, if he was seriously so unhappy that he couldn't, that he wanted to cancel that many people working for him and put that many people out of a job, you know, like I'm not yeah. even saying that in a guilty way. You have to be really somewhere dark to accept that reality and to actually do it because I've seen so many artists that don't do it because of the guilt that they feel. Right. So he must that, have been in a really bad place. He must have. Say. And you know what? I And I don't you know even what? listen to the dude, honestly. Likewise. And you know what? Like I encourage that decision if that's where he was at and he wanted to make that decision, that's fine. I back him up. I will say this at the same time too. If you do uh, go out on a limb and start, you know, diverting your entire musical style and you're selling tickets and based on your name and your fans are coming out to see you, they expect one thing and you're doing complete 180 on that type of stuff. I think they also have the right to be upset. I'm not encouraging them to. Where were they for the past three years while he's been doing this? Like if they're actual fans enough to buy a ticket to his show and say that they're fans, he's been transitioning his sound for over like two years now. Like oh, really? this has see, been a thing. I don't see. I didn't know that. Like, yeah, he like really made this public like, announcement like oh, like two years ago. I feel like that was just like, I'm so sick of the people in this scene. Like I'm so sick of the criticism and mm. like no, the no, elitism I'm, and everything. And I'm and he's like, fuck this. I'm going to go make hip hop. Fuck that. Then he I said have his, that. I have his back then. You know what? Like, because, yeah, go tell tell him I have his back. Maybe yeah, I'll go tell him. Yeah, I'll go tell him. I'll tell him that we got his back. <laughs> okay, thanks. Yeah, no. Anyway, um, uh, we got to move on. Yeah. We got to move on. So that's that's the thing that's happening. But uh, one thing we always kind of tend to forget, we're not going to forget this week, is uh, album of the week. Mm-hmm. Megan, uh, we got Joel over here. Joel, let it go. Hit it. Album of the week. All right. 
So my album of the week is an album I just listened to last week for the first time. Apparently, I was a few weeks late on it, uh, but it's a new Billie Eilish record. When when we all fall asleep, comma, where do we go? Question mark. That's what it's called. So I, I was listening to this last week because it was all on my Facebook feed and social media feed and people were talking about it. And I, I'm really bad at listening to new music. So I decided to you know, dive in and do it. It was a good, I good it one to really, choose, honestly. I thought it was really fucking cool. I think and, my favorite track is Bad Guy. Um, what about you? I don't remember because I listened to it all the way through, kind of like in the background while I was like mm-hmm. cooking, making coffee and this and that. And I didn't know like the song names. But I think it was track eight caught my attention, which is just titled eight. (laughs) This is kind of weird, but cool. And I think it was this track. I could be wrong, but it has a uh, a sample from The Office. And I was listening to it, and it quotes Michael Scott's movie, Threat Level Midnight. Do you remember that episode where he makes a movie? Um, yes, I remember that episode so it, where he's like the badass and yeah, he's like the badass secret agent. <laughs> so it quotes that it's like get smart put into an office episode. Yeah, yeah, and so it, like it quotes that from that movie part of the office. Yeah, of where he does like a dance scene in a bar and like the whole song sounds like that cheesy beat, but like in a good way. And it keeps quoting like, and that's how you do the scarn. Like, like that's his dance move. <laughs> It's so funny. And I had to like go back and rewind it. I'm like, wait, did I hear that right? Dude, and it keeps Billy coming is so funny, honestly. She's really fun to follow on Instagram. Really? Her Insta name her. is Where Are the Avocados? Really? Yeah. I'll have to follow um, her. She's hilarious. I mean, for being as young as she is, I'm blown right. away by her. And so I've been doing more research on her. And like we were talking about in a, a previous episode recently about how Interscope, my old company that I work for, Universal Music Group, Interscope, has been kind of killing it lately on their, you know, A and R, and how they're Distributing marketing and stuff. marketing uh, their artists and bringing them up. They've always been great at artist relations and you know building artists, but they, of all the you know subsidiary labels and some of these big label groups, seem to be nailing it by um, garnering hype for these artists by releasing singles and EPs over the course of two years. So I looked and 2016 was her first Interscope release and they've kind of like, she just sold out the armory. That's what I'm saying. It was like, what is that? Like a 2,500 cap. It sold out in like an hour. Yeah. It's insane. So like they did it really well for her and they just released her full first length album after like two and a half years. So kudos to you Interscope. You guys are doing it right. And um, anybody else out there can probably, you know, take a lesson from them if you're at that level. And P.S., yeah, if uh, that's not the cap of the armory, I'm sorry. I don't recall Uh, it off the top of my head. I think it's movable from like two to four or something like that. I heard they could get like six or eight in there. Wow, yeah. If you know the answer to that, feel free to comment on our SoundCloud. Uh, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, so that's my album of the week. Megan, what do you got? Um, This came out like about a month ago, I think, but he was just in town recently. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to attend. But Big Wild came out with a new LP called Super Dream where he sings everything on it and uh, plays all the instruments on it. And then he just toured it in like a live way where he plays like the cajon and the guitar and um, a rolly keyboard on stage. And he brought backup singers, Ida Hawk, who's been featured on like a Grizz track, I believe, and on several other electronic tracks. And um, this girl Haley that I follow on Instagram as well, who's her own solo artist. I think it's just like three chicks who are their own sort of solo entities 
that he's brought along to do the songs live with him because a lot of the songs and processing that he did sound like choruses. Like the, the whole project is full of, it's very soulful and like lots of harmonies and things like that. And all those harmonies are him, but, um, he brought along those three women so that he could have actual support on singing those and all the shots of his live show looked really cool, but yeah, he's still on tour, I believe right now. And, uh, it's called super dream. It's a 12 track LP that you can listen to on any streaming platform. Um, and that, so that, yeah, we got big wild with super dream and Billie Eilish with, uh, when, when we... you fall asleep, where do we go? Yep. And, um, speaking of other super young, talented ass people, we could segue perfectly into this week's guest, Jaden yes. Carlson. Our first guest tonight is... Introducing special guests. Let's do this. You're listening to Green Room Podcast. Hey, this is Jaden Carlson, and you're listening to the Green Room Podcast.
All right. Uh, so good morning, everybody, or good afternoon, whenever it is you're listening to. We have a really cool guest today, uh, Jaden Carlson. Woo-hoo! Hello. All right. How are you doing today? Uh, doing well. How about you guys? Good, good. Just yeah. kind of starting the day off. But yeah. Like, we usually do this early in the, early-ish in the morning, you know, like between 10 and noon usually, and... So we kind of, our brains are like just coming alive at this moment, but it's a nice morning stimulus, you know? So Yeah, I actually kind of use these on Tuesdays to wake up. Yeah, it really so. works nicely. So anyway. We cheaper call- than coffee. It's just cheaper than coffee, for well, sure. <laughs> we have to buy that too. <laughs> we have our sponsor that gives us coffee. Yeah, and yeah. hopefully we won't put you to sleep. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, Jaden, I think I first heard about you um, when I was kind of addressing doing this all-female EP that I was thinking about doing about a year and a half ago, probably. And you were suggested to me by some of our mutual friends, I think like Jessica Borth and Maddie O'Neill out of Denver as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that was the first time that I started to check you out and I was just mind blown at, I mean, I'm sure people say this to you all the time and I'm not an ageist, but I was mind blown (laughs) at just how um, astute you are and when it comes to the hardware that I didn't even know existed until I was like 25 years old. So you're how old now? 18. 18. That nice. is amazing. You are slaying it. But anyway, um, so yeah, how did you, how would you say that you arrived at the sound that, you know, that you, you come to? Um, really, it's been like kind of an evolution since the beginning. I'll just like, we'll have our sound for a while, then we'll all for my band at least, we'll all discover something new and then we'll go in that direction. Then we'll try to put our own spin on it. Um, But I like to do a lot of experimentation with my gear and stuff like that. And then trying to translate that over to live has really gotten us to this unique sound that we have. um, That's kind of a cross between like the studio aesthetic and the live aesthetic with the improvisation. And we really try to build off that. Um, so I know you use a lot of analog synths, lots of hardware, your gearhead, oh, it seems like, at least ter- from terribly, online. Terribly addicted. Yeah. <laughs> About um, your love for gear. But um, <laughs> I, do you bring a lot of that stuff with you when you play live? Or, I mean, you were just kind of saying it's kind of a hybrid between the studio stuff and the more like hardware-based stuff. And so how do you bring that on stage without having to bring in like six analog synths and like your guitar and your amp and like all this shit. I imagine that must be just exhausting. Oh, no, it is. (laughs) 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 Yeah. I I used to have a massive rig. I've kind of toned it down for just, uh, sensibility's sake. Um, I think that's like everyone's story ever. (laughs) (laughs) It's my story. It's, it's an arms race with pedals until you realize that your back can't handle that. So, (laughs) um, I would say uh, we played a gig at the Fox um, a couple months ago, and I'd just gotten an LA-3A compressor. I can I can go into depth about that, but I used it for my guitar rig, uh, and it's usually something that you see in the studio. It, it's very fragile, and it doesn't move outside of the studio, so I brought it, and I put it on top of my amp, and that was the best tone I've ever gotten, but the, the problem is like you can't bring that stuff out too much because of how fragile and just kind of touchy right. it is. Definitely. Right. Is it a rack system or...? Like a rack uh, mount piece of hardware? It, I'm not it, familiar. It, it can be. Um, it's a it's a two U half size, so it's it's a little, I guess, squattier than a normal one. You can rack mount it, but it's not massive, so I could fit it on one side of my amp. Cool. But right. it's, um, it's it's not something wanna, I bring on tour. Yeah, definitely. Um, is it pretty heavy as well? 
Actually, no, no, it's it's a small no. unit. It's a small one. I wouldn't bring, you know, an 1176 because those are. Do you mind explaining to the people who might not be familiar with audio engineering hardware or software, kind of what that compressor does? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, yeah just say uh, say in English. I totally know what you mean. Um, yeah, cool. <laughs> so what that is, it's a an electro optical attenuator cell powers a. Oh, duh. <laughs> <laughs> You You said English. Um, Okay, let's see. How do I break this down? So the effects level is powered by the attenuation of a light, an LED inside a cell. So basically, the brighter this light shines, the more power is driven into this light, the more effect is taken from it. So imagine like shining a flashlight onto something and that drives it. And that's how right. that's how this unit works. That's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I'll try to simplify Great. the stuff I say. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes there's no really no way to simplify. Yeah, stuff you know, yeah. I think that there are several levels of when it comes to that kind of equipment, like mm-hmm. le- several levels of knowledge that you slowly gain. I'm I'm at like the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> No worries. It takes a while. I shoved it all into my mind. With, yeah. yeah, I'm. Yeah, you know, you have an insane amount of knowledge about all this stuff. It's really impressive to see, actually. Um, Pat definitely had his struggles trying to solidify and rework his pedal board. Yeah. For, from going from car traveling to tra- traveling by plane Ooh. to, you know, all these different yeah. things that are thrown at you from playing in your hometown when you feel like you could bring literally anything because <laughs> yeah. you don't live very far away. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then just slowly trying to streamline that. It's just a series of compromises really is what it comes down to. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I considered myself to be in like a kind of just me arms race with Ryan Jalbert from the motet with the pedal boards. Cause I saw he had this massive thing. And just a few years ago, my mind was just like, that's great. But you know, I, I can do better than that. So I just start slapping everything I have on there. This is <laughs> like, like pet rocks and everything. This was before I knew about like the importance of signal chains. So my, my signal chain was probably just pure unadulterated Sweet. rubbish then I then I realized I didn't want to carry that thing upstairs. I was just like, <laughs> yeah, oh, it's like sixty. Not pounds. wanting to carry shit is the story of my life. Well, yeah, for like the thing for me, it was like Megan was saying. For me, it was like a, a lot of travel, a lot of car travel, and then you got four people in the car. Yeah, uh, we have like the three people in the band, the tour manager, who or whoever we're like bringing on as our tour manager at the time, just some friend who can take pictures. Probably thanks, shout yeah. out Chuck. Uh, thanks, and, Chuck. And. Uh, <laughs> And like you just really run out of out of space, mm-hmm. and so it's like I can't bring an amp, and then I have to figure out a, a DI solution, a good affordable one that I can, you know, we that were, sounds though, good. Just talking you know? last last yeah, episode last about how like people aren't bringing amps anymore, really in general, um, because uh, it's, of it's what changing. Was that? Well, the trend is changing because the the DI in digital processing and modeling is getting so much better these days. So there's a lot of floor units, like there's a Line 6 Helix, which is really popular right now. There's a new Boss GT1000. For like 1000. effects, you're saying? Well, it models amps, speaker cabinets, yeah, and it has effects that? on there. What was that the Kemper, we were The just, Kemper Profiler the Kemper. is yes, like okay. the holy grail in my mind, which kind of like takes... Uh, what the Axe Effects 2 was doing, which is like a rack-mounted unit. And Jane is probably familiar with all this stuff. <laughs> and 
that's what a, like a lot of pro players would use was the Axe Effects too, but it's really kind of complicated to pro, uh, to program. Um, like Dweezil Zappa is famous for using that on stage and he has just a backup one on stage. And this is like a $3,000 unit. He just has a backup one on stage with him in case the one fails. Um, That's not shocking. Someone uh, asked me the other day if I was like going to get a new laptop soon. And I was like, I just bought <laughs> oh a new fucking God. laptop. And they're like, oh, well, you need two on stage in case one goes out. And I wanted to be no, like, <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, well, let me just go shake daddy down and yeah. we'll fucking make that happen. Oh, my God. Yeah, right. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, yeah. So it's like all comes down to that type of stuff. And I wouldn't say that everybody's going away from using an amp. I think there's still a lot of people that use amps. And mm -hmm. I'd say the majority of people still use I amps. Do. But there's definitely a – yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I like to use an amp. I like to use an amp too, but uh, it really comes down to, for for um, for what the type of music we were playing, Megan, we were playing with a lot of electronic acts, like one person with a laptop and maybe a mm -hmm. controller, and the changeovers are like instantaneous. You oh, don't yeah. have a twenty minute changeover with four bands, uh, full full bands like drum kits, and you're not like backlining stuff like that. Uh, it's like okay, you got to get up there and go instantaneous. So. I, I chose to go standard for guitar stuff either. No, it's not. And that's why I chose to figure out a solution to go DI and find a good solution like that. And I actually reached out to Derek, who was our guest last week. And he recommended a few options and solutions for me that I still use to this day. Does it sound great? No. Will hardcore guitar musicians type people criticize it? Of course, of <laughs> Fucking of course they will. It sounds like garbage, but ninety. You have this is what I'm saying. It's a series of compromises. I'd say like ninety nine percent of people that you're playing to won't know, won't care. They don't know the difference. You can make it sound good. It's a two hundred dollar floor processing unit. Yeah. Do yeah. I want to spend eighteen hundred dollars on the Kemper Profiler? Yes. Yes. Do I have eighteen hundred dollars to spend on it right now? Not yet. Yeah. Someday. Uh, yeah. Guitar stuff is really hard to transfer into the like electronic world, and I'm not sure what kind of lineups that your band is on often, Jaden, if it's more like, you know, hybrid driven kind of stuff like you guys do, or if it's ever just like more electronic kind of stuff in terms of like um, DJs and, and things like that. But yeah, that's why I had to get rid of my gem was yeah. because of that Floyd Rose tremolo tuning system Yeah, that every time I'd pull it out of the fucking case, it would be out of tune and I'm expected to go on in five seconds and have my shit plugged oh, in dear. and uh, my guitar's out of tune. And I'm the solo act. Wahoo. I got yeah. the fuck rid of that guitar. Yeah. Um, yeah <laughs> anyway. uh, I'd yeah. say, so my stance on all the modeling stuff, again, I, I'm such an antiquated analog head. I feel we're at the stage with modeling and electronically driven amps right now uh, that the electric car was at a few years ago. Like there were enthusiasts um, and there's still a bit of work to be done before it can be like a full transfer over as you said, some of the more affordable stuff you can, you can tell. Uh, yeah, you definitely can tell. Can tell. Yeah. People can tell what you've paid for that. Um, mm -hmm. But also I do do a bit of modeling uh, for my personal stuff, my personal production. Cause when I record guitar, I like to have just a screaming, like four amp uh, Haas effect, just huge room tone inside right. my tiny little studio and I can't really get that at the hours I work. <laughs> right, um, right. And I, yeah, I'd, I'd black out the power grid if I tried to get the tone I wanted. So the modeling, if you're trying for something that you don't have the equipment for, I think is, I think it's wonderful. Yeah, but absolutely. And, it, and I mean, that's why I go, oh, I'm sorry. Go oh, ahead. you're good. I mean, for some people, if it's a deal of convenience, like I get that, but if, if people are going for it, cause like, 
I don't know. I just think there's still a bit, there's still a bit of work to be done until that's like a worthy competitor of tubes. But right. again, Absolutely. my mind is from, from the seventies. So no, I mean, I think you're, I mean, I think there's definitely, I think you really hit it on the head when you said you made that um, electric car comparison uh, because it does kind of feel that way. And there are a lot of great floor processing units like, um, the line six helix, the, the head rush one, I don't really, that one doesn't really do it for me, but the line six helix seems pretty cool, but there's also criticisms of a lot, a lot of these things because it's like, they're close, but they're not exact. Right. And there is, there is nothing quite like, I mean, as a guitar player, from one guitar player to another that you play the amp, you play your tone. Yeah. It's right? different every so time. It's hard. Yeah. It's really hard to go in and just record dry and be like, oh, I have all these modeling options that I can just slap on it. I do do that. You're different inflections. <laughs> I do that sometimes. Yeah. It's weird. I, and sometimes you can do it and sometimes you can find some great things. But like you, when you're playing and you're, you're tracking, you play your tone. Oh, totally. So it's nice to have that tone and it's nice to have the, the screaming tube amps um, ready to go. And like you can you, you play that. But that being said, it is getting better. And uh, that's why I, I think it's really cool with the Kemper Profiler right now. I mean, it's like an $1,800 unit and you can buy basically presets, patches, other uh, other models of these classic amps that I could never afford. Like, do I want to record through a Marshall Silver Jubilee? Oh, Hell yeah, of course I do. Reminds me of the Variax but, guitar, but that truly is like the Tesla of the guitar scene. It's the high yeah, end. Yeah. It's got everything you want from it's, it. Exactly, exactly. And it's like, I mean, I just think that it's, it's nice um, to have those options. You can get some of these classic amp tones and speaker tones. Uh, that you would never probably be able to afford, or if you could, you'd probably save up for you know many years just to have one and have that one tone. Right. And now you can kind of explore the space a little bit more. Totally. But but we'll see where it goes from here. I mean, I, you know, different strokes for different folks. Some people love still playing tube amps and pedals, and that's great. I do too. Uh, I for the convenience for flying, for not having to worry about. The anxiety I'll have during the flight of if my gear is going to be broken when I checked it. Oh, then it's wonderful. Uh, I'm gonna, then I, I, I go for the portability and I make that compromise. <laughs> Solid totally. state. Yeah. Okay, so getting away from some of the gear, because I'm sure some people are still like, what the fuck <laughs> Probably right bored now? out of their minds from me talking. No, I, I'm, I'm, no, I think it's really intriguing for even people that don't know what it is, but I think we can only discuss it so long before the people who don't know what it is uh, are like, okay, I gotta Just go. Just don't let me turn the podcast into this week on tech. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, there are five bajillion in- interesting things about you, so... You were, I think, well, I believe the youngest person to ever have performed at Red Rocks. Is that a thing? Yeah, if that still stands, then indeed, yes. Well, I ain't seen anybody younger there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is amazing. Um, I, I guess I thought on that when uh, you brought up the motet. So I assume that you must be pretty tight with those guys? Oh, yeah. I've known those guys for uh, five or six or seven years now they're all good friends of mine um me and garrett so since you were 12, and their old percussionist scott insane. made a record a while ago yeah i mean on and off me and me and the vocalist lyle will be working on some collaborations this summer when he's cool. around he's got a fantastic voice he, i loved their last album he's the truth unbelievable. Was <laughs> every time i see him i'm just like oh my god yeah, he's fantastic and if i'm i might be wrong here but um okay so i opened for the motet um, at the Skyway Theater here in Minneapolis a, a couple years ago. And I wasn't able to meet them, unfortunately, but I was blown away. So I, I went home. I hadn't listened to them prior to the show, to be completely honest. 
I just knew that they were funk. So when I went home, I went to check them out and check out their discography, and they had just put the truth out. And I listened to that, and it was fascinated by it. And then I kept scrolling and scrolling and seeing that they've had music coming out for, like, 15 years or something crazy like that. They've been around for a long time. And was it always Lyle, uh, the, the vocalist? No, Lyle is from the past two to three years. Um, the, their previous vocalist was Jan Zingber, who was just also ridiculous. Cool. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I just had noticed a difference in the vocalist for the album. So I was just wondering like, at what point they made that transition. But I, I think I've seen some pictures or videos of you sitting in with them. Um, and you've sat in with some pretty cool people. So who would you say is like your favorite that you've or your favorite experience that you've had sitting in with people i mean i'm always i'm always drawn to say umphreys because that was just like so much fun i've actually never sat in with the motet it's always been some collaboration or like cervantes get together it's never been just straight oh, okay, motet, okay. which is hilarious was umphreys the red rock show no so that was uh blues traveler wow oh, that was blues traveler then i think the day before no the day before was Michael Ferranti and Spearhead. Those guys I've known for a long time as well. Uh, Umphreys was the Fillmore in Denver and the Ogden. Okay, cool. awesome. Yeah, okay. I love Umphreys. You know, I'm not a huge, huge... I don't like to say that I'm not a huge jam band fan because I am of a, of a lot of them, but I guess like Fish and Wild, Widespread Panic and The Dead kind of went over my head or I maybe missed the boat on that mm-hmm. like a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, or never had that influence growing up, so I never really grew to appreciate it as much. I love Umphrey's, like, ability to be that, but also not to go on these, like, 20-minute-long, like, improv solos where every song that they play ends up being, like, 45 <laughs> minutes. I love right. that they covered yeah. Toxic by oh, Britney hilarious. Spears. Like, they do shit like that. And the like, talking heads. I love Umphrey's McGee, yeah. so you're talking to oh, the yeah, right they're person great. right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just uh, <laughs> being able to play with Jake, who's, like outlandishly talented um yeah there was no m- amount of preparation you can do for that like he, he's just god tier so you get up there yeah. you're like oh all right this is all i got go ahead <laughs> no matter- i'm sure it was awesome and what year was that that was re- that was re- pretty recently uh, four years ago three to four years ago i think so, I th- oh wow, oh, wow. so Must you were been. 14 years old on stage yeah on you put it McGee. like that <laughs> <laughs> I was writing notes to my boyfriend in homeroom <laughs> class. Wow. Times have, <laughs> times have changed. Um, so I have to ask you then, I think a lot of people are probably wondering this. How did you, how did you meet all of these guys? So like a lot of people still to this day, musicians who are out in, out in Colorado would be like, you know, uh, um, as, this is like their dream more well, or less. Well, and let's you, back okay. up a tiny bit. Okay. Do your parents do music? They do not. Okay, that's a. People always ask me that, and mine do not either. In fact, they are both tone deaf on top of not doing music. So <laughs> I'm the black sheep that came from space. <laughs> Sorry, uh, mom. <laughs> so yeah, so how did you get like? How did you uh, link up and meet all of these guys? What What's your uh, background like? How did you become such a, uh, you know, proficient, prolific guitarist at such a young age? Um. I know it's a hard question to ask, but, you know, <laughs> like, I think people of, want to know lots this. Of like, practice. I want to know I, this. Just lots of practice, lots of gigs, lots of playing with bands. A lot of people are, they use the, the prodigy word, and I, I just think that's rubbish. Because <laughs> I, I, I'd like to think I worked for what I have, and not that yeah. some divine being 
slapped me in the face and said, go, go play oh, music. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> but how do I know these guys? So the, the Umphreys guys in particular, I knew through my amp endorser, Fuchs. Yeah, yeah, we, we share an amp endorser and my connection with them hooked us up for me to sit in. And uh, me and Jake just got to talking and then we did it the next year as well. Yeah, so that one was through an amp endorser. But most of these people, most of these people I'll just meet like, through people in Denver, through jams, through uh, gigs and festivals, really. It is really crazy, the web in Denver. Like, my first show I ever played in Denver was um, Unified Feel at Cervantes. And it was like, um, they had the main room and the other side both open and booked fully. Yeah. And it was like, Closey, Lewis the Child, Giraffage, um, like, Filibusta, me, Symbionic. It was, like, a wild lineup for just... It was the pre-party for Sonic Bloom. Oh, nice. yeah. I was there, wasn't I? Y- yeah, I believe so. And yeah. I just remember going downstairs uh, in the other side green room, you know, the one with the throne toilet. Oh, yeah. It, oh, yeah. They, they took it out. It's different now. It's flat. Oh, my God. Oh. Shut up. How am, I, how am my feet supposed to fall asleep now? <laughs> You mean you don't want to like fall over when you're trying? Never mind. <laughs> oh my god! For people who've never been in the other side green room at Cervantes, it used to have this thing we'd call the throne toilet. And I shit you not, like I don't know how this like how this was the only plausible solution to the bathroom, but they literally had it up on like two two foot tall stairs. <laughs> And then the toilet was just on the very edge of the top one. So your feet would like dangle off like you're like a five-year-old on a bus seat. Yeah. It was absolutely hilarious. And my feet would literally fall asleep by the time I finished peeing. But so when you walk out I'm of there, you look like you've done something. Like, <laughs> Seriously. Uh, oh, let me tell you, they redesigned that whole green room. <laughs> They've redone the whole green room. But I, I walked, I had a gig there like a few months ago and I walked downstairs and they like opened up. Do you, do you remember the painted wall? Like it, it, it kind of looked like a Grateful Dead painting behind the couch before the room with the toilet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So they, they knocked that down. They did the space between the living room and the kitchen thing from South Park. Um, and they put like this corridor but it it doesn't have lighting so it it's just like y- you have this kind of thin wall and then it just gets darker like Weird. as you go back Weird. It is really strange. I've never they gone all the way the back. More space. More I always space. found it it's funny that the the venue that's half the size of the main venue has a green room twice the size of the one in the main venue. But twice the size. <laughs> that's it's like, like three, four, four times the size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know. I feel like sometimes I'd rather play the side room than the. I've never played the main room, and I'm okay with that just because like <laughs> because I've been there's in the, nowhere to stand. In well, the I've been room. in the green room, you know. Yeah. Already, that, green room, so. that green room is quite diminutive. I usually just go out back and hang out with the dumpsters. You know, it's yeah, you, dude. Yeah. I love that door right there. <laughs> Plus, the there cold air anyway. feels good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, do you ever feel like when you're on the in the main room side and you know there's like that back uh there's that little back door and it's like locked you're kind of like imprisoned oh know? totally that metal thing <laughs> yeah you can you get them to open that and you can catch a nice breeze right there <laughs> oh yeah you, you can just shake that thing back and forth and freak out the guys walking walking down the alley just... <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> that'd be amazing <laughs> get me out of here oh my god um but to circle back why i brought up the green room is because i got off stage and i went downstairs uh, to the other side green room the big green room and I walk in and like literally I felt like I was like backstage at Electric Forest or something. Alicia was in yeah, there like and Maddie O'Neill and So Down and Closey and Giraffage and Lewis the Child and 
Truefields and Filibusta and Symbiotic. And I was just like, yeah, everybody's. I was like, I had never seen that many successful artists in the same room at the same time in my entire life. It's crazy. It's crazy. And it was like, this is Denver. Half of the people there weren't playing either. Yeah, they just they were just there hanging out with the people that were. Yeah, right. Because they knew them. Because the bubble's so small. Yeah, I uh, I played a show. It serves at the other side one time with. I want to say. Synth Lords, I think we opened for, yeah, we opened for Deitch and I go downstairs and I'm packing up my, my keyboard and I just look up and that, and Grizz is like standing five feet from me. I'm just like, Oh, cool. Did you, Not a big I, I didn't know yeah. you were in for my set. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I would have made you know, it better. I've never, <laughs> I've never seen him in person, like from in a non-concert way. Yeah. Oh. So I, I can only imagine that I probably would act very stupid. Uh, well, I did. So. <laughs> <laughs> pretty pretty sure my exact myself. words were, hey, you're that guy with, that works with Big G. Just because I'm, <laughs> I'm the biggest genius at the room at any given moment. <laughs> That's hilarious. We just saw this fake festival lineup this morning, and the headliner is bass lecture and zipper, <laughs> oh pretty God. tights, and huge enormous. A grit. What a grizz was grits. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's great. I love those. Yeah, dude. I just posted it. You should peep it after this. I saw um, my voice teacher sent me a fake festival lineup. It was so funny. Yeah, let me find it now. It's just like that band all over the radio, two dudes in a MacBook, Swedish DJ, Pink Floyd cover band. <laughs> <Sweet>. <laughs> singer from that band doing a solo thing. Yeah, perfect. I am definitely more inter- entertained by the faux festival lineups that leak and come out every year than I have, have ever been blown away by a festival lineup in like the past five Honestly, years. Honestly. The fake it, ones are way better. If Chromio's not on there, I just don't care. Like, <laughs> Oh man, well you said. and Pat are going to well have said. a to bond over Chromio right now. He's got a big smile on his face. Oh, yeah, excellent. Um, so if you're ever wondering about my inspiration in life and in music, yeah, just listen to... Uh, just listen to White Women by Chromio, and that's, nice. that's about it. <laughs> Perfect. I love that. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan. I We just saw them. Megan, it wasn't that long ago. You were with us, right? Or was no, this, I didn't go. Oh, it was just Haley and I then uh, and some other people. But I we, was out of town. Yeah. You were out of town at a gig. Yeah, we, they just played um, a DJ set here in Minneapolis about three or four months nice. ago. And you know what? It was pretty cool. But I'd way rather I've seen them live a few times with like the full band or with like Do instruments. Their pianos have actual legs when they play live too. Do they have lady legs for their key- keyboards? Yes. Uh, I guess I've never no, been that close do. to see. They do have the lady legs. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. but like so, like but I gotta say though, like seeing them as a D- the DJ set was cool, but. It was not as it can't. It wasn't as cool. No, Chromio. Uh, I don't I think anyone has ever said like, "Oh, I saw this person's live band before," but then I saw a DJ and I was like, "Fuck I know, that!" But you know what? Like, I, but <laughs> I didn't want to say. I don't want to say fuck that for those guys. It was still pretty cool, but I I really don't think I yeah, would go yeah, again. Yeah, we get it. You I don't think suck I'd their go balls again. and they're better live. We I wouldn't it. go again to a DJ. No, set, I mean if I they didn't put their pioneer desk on lady legs, then what's the point of buying that ticket? Honestly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean exactly. they they might have, but they were behind a table that Give like you could see. Give us the lady see. legs. Yeah. We want the lady legs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Did oh, you hear man. that at a Chromio concert ever? You guys, that's me. <laughs> I just I just scream old 45s until my eyes bleed, and then they play old 45s, and then I scream during it. So that's just... <laughs> I scream so loud, I can't hear the whole thing, and then I start over. <laughs> Somebody's like, they played old 45s, I'm just like, shoot. 
I have straight up run out of the bathroom before because my favorite, like my, because a group I love is playing my favorite song. Like oh, nothing, yeah. I've, I've skirted out of the bathroom and gotten to the front of the crowd faster than ever before in my life. Just because they're like halfway done with my favorite song. Yeah. Oh, you mean you mean you haven't put your pants on backwards because your 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 band isn't playing that one track they never play. That's awesome. Oh my God. Um, okay, hey, I, I let's go back. Let's go. Let's let's step back for a sec. Let's go back in time a little oh, bit. Oh, um, oh no. Oh no. Okay. Hey, well, go on you, already. All right. How'd you get How'd you get into music? I wanted to ask you that. Oh, um, like how did you how did you start picking up the guitar and start playing and like learning? And oh, when? you want to you want to go way back? Okay. Yeah, I, know, I told you before we started. I don't want to ask any generic questions, but this is my one generic question. Oh, you're fine. Like, how did you uh, How did you start? Um, I want to say I was hit by lightning. No, um, I I just I started taking lessons um from this guy in Boulder, Andy Schiller, who's I can still attribute to being one of the best teachers I've ever had. No, the best teacher I've ever had. Um, Great. I started taking lessons when I was six. Uh, I started on acoustic guitar, playing classical music, doing all the sight reading and theory and all Whoa. that stuff. Um, and which is funny now, people who knew me back then and haven't seen me until now are just like, what happened to you? <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, hey, well, a lot can happen after six years old, you know? Yeah. Uh, if you're doing the same thing 12 years later, that's a little strange. My glory days. I'm living out my glory days. Um, <laughs> if, I, if I go any further with that, it becomes a Patton Oswalt bit. Um, so I'm just going to skip over that. Yeah. Uh, and after that, I started going out to jams. Um, one of the main jams I went to was this blues jam in Nederland, Colorado. Do either of you know what Nederland is? I've heard of it. It's Isn't it like close to uh, Fort Collins? Doesn't Michael no. Jackson own that? No. 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 <laughs> the Nederland um, Ranch? No, it's it's oh. it's pretty far from Fort Collins. It's it's 18 miles above Boulder, but it's this quirky little mountain town. It's it's kind of it's not really a ski town. It's not close enough to all. Yeah, it's kind of a ski town. Yeah. Anyway, quirky little mountain town. Um, but they had this blues jam at this pub up there called the Pioneer Inn. And I'd go to that every Wednesday and just play blues with these just crazy mountain people that would just like run around and throw beer bottles at each other. I'm not kidding. And I met my. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds great. That sounds it was awesome. amazing. And I learned how to fend off drunk people. That was, that was my takeaway. I learned how to play one That's four five skill. and off drunk people. Um, I met my first bass player there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't put drinks on my amp or I will throw a chair at you <laughs> yeah that's just the kind of stuff that gives you a shell to begin with um mm -hmm. so i started out yep. with that blues jam up in netherland then i found this funk jam to replace it every other or i'm sorry every wednesday down in denver at the armory and that's where i met my drummer my yeah my current drummer eric and we did that for a few years and we had some really cool people come through we had the drummer for the disco biscuits came through played with us like Wow. Yeah, that was a cool jam. And then that shut down. And after that, I just went, that was like five years. I just covered like five years, by the way. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah. and then cool. lots of sit-ins. Um, wait, you were asking how I got started, not what came after? Oh, no, well, yeah, keep going. No, that's <clears> fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. So we, yeah, we'd start rehearsing with the band and everything, different iterations of the band. And now we've found the final pretty much final iteration of the band we do 
try to write together a lot, try to rehearse. We were in the studio a few mm-hmm. few months ago. We're going to put out a new single soon. Uh, there's my yeah, there's well, my tangent. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Hey, what's the um, what's the single going to be called? Do you know it? Yeah. Pretty sure we're going with the name Skyline. Uh, okay. But it's um, yeah. We worked we worked in the studio with um, two local guys, Jonah Wisniewski and Logan Muckler, and we're putting out the single. And I would say it's going to be probably our sweetest track yet. <laughs> Hell yeah, nice. that's the right attitude to have. It yeah. should always be. It should always be the coolest. I think track. I always feel that way. This is the best thing I've ever made. And, yeah, and I'm well, like, until I listen to it to though. death. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Right. Really tangentially here, I had to bring this up because I just sent it to Derek Van Scoten, Cloudcord, who we interviewed last week. This article on the hard times. Vintage tube amp, perfect place to set down drink. <laughs> and then the, I'll just read the first couple sentences of this article. Um, Los Angeles, a vintage 70s era. McIntosh MC2100. There's no A. Whatever. Oh, anyway. Tube amplifier, as well as several other several other priceless pieces of music gear in the residence of Bill Honeycutt, was the perfect place for guests to set their drinks, according to party sources. <laughs> no. Oh, I don't mind it at all, said the host. <laughs> the stereo equipment and vintage musical instruments that I've spent my entire adult life collecting cost tens of thousands of dollars, way more than my furniture, in fact. So it's almost a sign of respect when my friends put a rum and coke. <laughs> Or a tub of hummus on top of them. <laughs> oh, Honeycutt's friends are reportedly pleased with the arrangement. It's satirical. Most people get defensive about irreplaceable audio equipment, but not Bill, said one guest while cutting a watermelon on top of a 1958 <laughs> Fender Twin, which is rad. Nothing holds a frosty pint quite like a real analog tube amp. Sounds about right. <laughs> love it. Gotta love it. There you go. No. Thank you, Hard Times, as usual. That's amazing. Oh, that's like the onion, but gear. I need to start the onion, but gear. Um... It is. The hardtimes.net is for like band and gearheads and stuff to make fun of idiots in that world. And then there's Wonderground. That's to make fun of electronic people. And then there's Onion. That's to make fun of people. Everyone. (laughs) I I wanted to do a blog, but I think the main... The main part of the blog was going to be about how the multi-pedal is the SUV of the gear world. It's not good at one thing. (laughs) It does multiple things, but it's not good at any of them. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. I know. Here's your distortion. It's mediocre. Here's sport drive. It's also mediocre. See the parallel? I just, yeah. Uh, yeah. When, when I when I sit exactly. in with people and I don't want to sound bad saying this, and they give me this multi pedal, I just like, I just kind of die inside. Especially when I see it's digitally driven, and I'm just like, oh my god, not not. It's not just terrible. It's also fake terrible. Fake terrible. Yeah. Um, what's the distortion sound? Oh, it's bit driven. Great. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. This is really hard to make it sound good. It really is. And then they're like, take a solo. And the whole time you're just like, okay, I'm going to play a few notes and then turn the knob with my foot. See if that, nope, that did not make anything better. <laughs> play another few notes, turn that, nope, that made it worse, in fact. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so you're like, yep. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh man. Um, Hey, getting back to your band. Yeah. Uh, so how many, I, so forgive me. Cause I didn't really, I didn't really know much about you until, um, Thank God, that's good. until we were, until we were working uh, <laughs> on, on scheduling this, uh, on, the, on scheduling this today. But uh, how many people are in your band on the Jaden Carlson band? Uh, three others, our bass player, Fred Risen, our drummer, Eric Ambrosiano and our keyboardist, Chris Beck. Fantastic. And how long have you guys, um, I mean, the, you said you've kind of like went through different, um, uh, phases of finding people and this and that. And so how long have you guys been together as a band or how long has this band existed? This iteration or just the name? Uh, just in general, like when you started in general, it. Um, 
Oh, I'd say the first iteration of the band, probably five years, I would say. Five years now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And then, so how many, like, how long have you been set with this current iteration now? Uh, Coming up on two and a half years, I believe, two and a half or three. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. So you guys, like, you guys have probably have, a, like, great chemistry now at this point. I'd say, yeah. Um, yeah. We can read oh, our own minds, really cool. and that's the worst part. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like being in a relationship. Minds. You have to deal with compromises, like being in a relationship with four people at once That's and like nobody's ever super happy, but you figure it out. I don't live in Utah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, fair Tell enough. Tell your neighbors. Fair enough. Tell your neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> um, and hey, one other thing I want to bring up. So there's a Jaden Carlson band. So everybody go check out uh, Jaden Carlson band. And um, before I before we go further, what uh, what releases do you have out currently, like albums, EPs, or, or tracks that you want to highlight people should go check out? Um, for the band or for me or just – For the yes, band. For the band. Um, yeah. So we released an album last year called Keep It Moving. Um, it's, on, right. it's on Spotify. It's on all the socials. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I would say that's our best one and most recent best. Great. <laughs> so, so everybody go check out Keep It Moving. Yes. And, but I, I wanted to bring this up before I brought into this topic. Uh, you have another project called Synth Lords. I do. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that and like how that came to be? Oh, uh, through Chromeo. Fun, fun, <laughs> funny enough, um, we were in Minneapolis <laughs> Okay. Uh-huh. We were playing a we were playing a gig in Minnesota and we were driving home at like four in the morning and Synth Lords is me and my keyboardist Chris and he had never heard Chromeo and I just like I just died inside, you know, more than usual. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean you haven't heard the best band in the world? What kind of absolute <laughs> rubbish are you telling me? So it's like yeah, we're driving home. It's really late. And I just grabbed my computer out of my bag. I was like, I'm putting on white women and this is going to be your gospel. And if you want to start a band off of this, like we just, like we'd mentioned earlier in the day uh, from Heatstroke, probably like, yeah, let's do it. So we were, tra- we were just kind of joking. Like, I wonder if there's a band called Synth Lords. And then we Googled and there wasn't. So we're just like, well, shoot. Well, that's, <laughs> we yeah. got to do that now. So yeah, we started, yeah. um, We'd have sessions over at his house where we just really just experiment with synths and sound design and started out very like with ambient sounds and just, yeah, kind of experimentation at first. Um, And then we started writing songs. We put out our last or our first album, uh, Outlander in, oh my God, 2017, I think. Yeah. Yeah. March of 2017. No, December. Okay. We, we put out our first album like a year after. Um, or I'm sorry, half a year after. And then a year after, we put out our second album, Continuum, which came out in March. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like 80s, like Jamiroquai, Chromeo, 80s funk, kind of synthwave house. Right. I love it. I love that stuff. It's yeah, it's right fun stuff. It, yeah. it, it really gives me an excuse to mess around with my gear. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I got to mix, mix, master, and produce everything on two of the uh, our two records. I did um, everything. Nice. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, yes. Are you formally trained in like music production or audio engineering at all, or did you already answer that? I'm sorry. Uh, by formally, if you mean teaching myself over the period of like multiple uh, weeks without sleep, months, years, years. Um, 
no, then, no, yeah, I'm self-taught no too. Uh, then I'm yes. taught too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm self-taught, but I obsessed over the uh, like the right stuff from the '70s, the hardware, all the very classic and original ways of engineering. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I'm not like I'm not huge into Ableton. I work in Logic and Studio One. I prefer to bust everything out before. Dude, like, I work in Logic. Oh, you nice. work? Do you? Yes. Oh heck yeah. Nice. Dude, we'll have to chat. Um, it's funny because I have a call uh, this week with Ableton. They are trying to woo me. Oh, no. I think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's like, I'm like flattered and I'm really curious. Like, why do they want to talk to me? To be honest, they saw me at South by Southwest, I guess. And they just you, hit me up and they were like, we want to talk to you. Hmm. And I was like, okay. And I think it's because they were with John Symbionic. Who's like, you know, Ableton guru and like the just a huge proprietor of Ableton. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, she plays live stuff. I bet he was like, yeah, she plays live stuff, but she won't use Ableton. <laughs> yeah, I bet they're trying to like, yeah, that's my thought. They want like, you to like do live looping and shit yeah. and use their software so they can put you on their website and sell Ooh, more I don't shit. know what they want to do, but I'm down to hear about it. So whatever. Hey, if but they're going to give you free stuff. I'm like logic for life right now. If they're so. going to give you free stuff, <laughs> just say yes and give it to me because I use <laughs> yeah, it. yeah. Seriously, just kind of scoop it all into my email. Like anything yeah, you want to send yeah. me. <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. Question, Jaden, have you ever used Logic in a live setting? So, funny enough, I use a combo of Logic and Ableton when I play live. So I'll do everything. I'll make everything in Logic. I'll put the set together. Then I'll then I'll just put everything in Ableton so I can do a little bit of that kind of live transitional stuff. That is so weird you say that because that's literally what I've been like thinking of. Like if they do give me some stuff to work with, that that's what I would probably start just, doing. Yeah, is just so, keeping in Logic, but then using Ableton to be able to do it a bit more intuitively. Totally, live. you should totally do that. It's a much more stable platform for live as well. And my, I know that's my concern about Logic, dude. It's, I'm always worried it's just gonna shit the bed on me in the front. That's of That's what it does to I'm me like, when I'm in my cool. studio. Oh, well, fucking sweet. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. You just excited me with your relatability. Oh, (laughs) Um, yeah. I would highly suggest the Logic Ableton crossover. Um, If you need any tips on, like, how to set that all up and stuff or anything, like, I've I've got it kind of figured out. Um, I would love that. I'll definitely have to reach out to you. Cool. It's funny because, like... I don't know. I feel like I've tried to learn a little bit of every DAW just so if I'm ever hired as an engineer into a studio that runs Pro Tools or Studio One or something like that, I actually work in a studio in Denver that runs Studio One, so I had to learn that. Um, Interesting. I've yeah. never even seen that dot I think open. that's uh, it's what, a persona. That's like what uh, Tycho uses yes. on all of his stuff, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's very, very analog friendly. That's another reason I love it. Um, the studio I work in in Denver is yeah. just... Uh, I, it's my, it's my friend, Alex. He, he runs a studio called Hyphonic. Um, and we do a lot of recording there, but he has a just absolute load of analog gear and studio one is very excellent at talking to all that stuff, which I love. Like their, their IO stuff is just great. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I'll, I'll set up everything in logic and then bounce the tracks over to Ableton because I've never had, okay, knock on wood real quick. Yeah. <laughs> I've never had Ableton pull that kind of system overload disc full just rubbish on me yeah Yeah. well that's good to know so i appreciate that you can yeah you can also freeze tracks for live if you're not going to touch them if you want to do all your automation beforehand so Mm -hmm. like when i play live with synth lords we use ableton and i often play guitar and keys at the same time like i'm keeping myself pretty busy 
so I don't really have a lot of time to mess with my computer. But yeah, yeah, I, I would, I would say, uh, it, it, it's a good stable yeah. thing to do if you're looking. Awesome, you're yeah. I appreciate yeah. hearing that. It's was it's been a daunting thing that's kind of You've looming over me. You've been thinking about me. it for a couple of years. I've haven't bought you? a push before. Like yeah, I, I, I have Ableton. <laughs> I don't use it and. <laughs> I know. I sold that shit, and I bought a. <laughs> I did you tra- did you sell it for this like interface no, that I we're got, using? Okay, right get now? this though. Um, shout out RJ. I did buy an Ableton Push for two hundred and fifty bucks from this guy, and he gave me a free Akai Professional EIE Pro eight channel interface, which for has been free. like Aww. one of for my free. favorite. And it's a tube interface oh, too. You're speaking my language. So it looks cool. Yeah. Even. <laughs> yeah. It has, it has meter. It has like, I honestly, we, we run sweet. the podcast through the EIE pro and I use an Apollo duo now or Apollo nice. twin now myself yeah. in the studio. Um, because I was fortunate enough to be given that as well. Thank you, Clayton. But, um, I have loved this interface, yeah. shockingly, and I would have paid $250 for that yeah. alone. So see, I'm happy. I'm, get rid of that stupid push. I think I bought a bass guitar with that money. Yeah. And there I you have go. This interface see, this interface, it's nice as a free interface. I don't. I think we should upgrade it, but that's a story for uh, if, if, an interview. No, if you guys are thinking of a new interface. Why not fix if it ain't broke? I would, uh, and we need a new what, interface. What, yeah, suggestions, yeah, uh, Jaden? Tascam, Tascam US 1800 is what I've Great. got in my studio. It's wonderful. It's uh, 10 inputs, I think, yes, yeah, 16 outputs. Um, you can run analog off of it. I Do they make a smaller version of that? Because we really are only ever running three uh, or four inputs. Yeah, we probably only need like a, a four. Uh, <laughs> Tascam, I mean, they make they make um, smaller things like that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they probably make a four by four. In that case, I'd look at a Scarlet four by four by Focusrite, um, yeah. but I really love the Tascam. Like, it's it's analog-driven, and I use it with all my gear, so there's no, like, bitrate nonsense. Uh, right. And it was surprisingly cheap. I got it used, pristine condition, for 200 bucks. Sound like I'm nice. advertising for them right now. Um, Damn. It's got yeah. free amps inside it, everything like that. Uh, so I, if, if, you're, if you're in the market for... No, yeah. I mean, Tascam makes great stuff. I have, like, some of their old... Um, I used to... Uh, playing a band with this guy who's a big studio like upward gear type nerd uh and he gave me some of his old actual uh four track tascam cassette recorders so he can bounce back and forth oh sick. which is super oh my cool God. sorry my little tangent here did you see the korg volcassette thing on april fool's day uh no i didn't i actually kind of missed april fool's day because i was working and i forgot it was april fool's day oh, and good. i missed all the jokes <laughs> so so korg posted you know the volca line the the little um the microsynths, the little brains. Uh, yes, I do. Yeah. So they announced that they're releasing, oh my God, the Volca set, which is a Volca driven by a cassette tape. And me and Alex and everybody in Denver were just like, oh my God. <laughs> How cool would and that be then though, right? The, then we look at the date. And if you've ever had that feeling where your heart just feels like it's been stabbed repeatedly with a chainsaw, where it's just like, oh no, that's the best thing ever. And it's never going to be real cool yeah thank you yeah. <laughs> i know like that's what got me on <laughs> april fool's day too like I, I was getting done with work and i got home and i was just i pulled open the internet and i was just checking out some news articles on reddit and i got like punked like four times in a row on these headlines i was like what no way yeah this is happening in politics and i clicked on i read it and i'm like shit it's april yeah, first damn it <laughs> And that happened like four times in a row oh until my God. I finally realized. I posted that I was packing up and moving to Canada on April Fool's Day, and I think 107, 170 people believed me. Dude, that's funny. Megan believed you because she was just telling oh. me beforehand. She's like, 
hey, I guess she's moving to Canada. Yeah, dude. Okay, you're not moving? Holy shit. Oh. You little shit. Oh. That is so funny. Oh, I got you guys so bad. No, anyway, I'm planning I'm planning to do that still, but just I'm, I can't afford it for a while. That yes. is so funny, dude. Like, honestly. That, but not for a bit. Like, we were talking about, like, just... Well, we were just talking about your, um, like, different things that you've got going on prior to coming on the cast, just so we can make sure me and Pat were on the same page and everything and find some things to ask you about and stuff. And so I casually mentioned that I had just seen that you were going to be moving to British Columbia. (laughs) And I literally said, like, I'm really happy for her because, like, that takes a lot of courage to be so talented and just to be like, fuck you to the people that expect (laughs) you to, like, use that for something because it's not for everyone else. But I was like, but the world, like, needs this. And, like, it makes me kind of sad that she's just going to be like, peace out. But at the same time, I'm, like, proud of her that she has the courage to be like, I don't give a shit what you guys want. And so it was just kind of funny. I just don't like for you. I just had said that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Late late April Fool's, Megan. Well, fuck me. Ah, <laughs> uh, you guys. It's hilarious, um, dude. No, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still planning that. My other my other passion in life besides, shoot, I've got like five. Um, my other bigger one <laughs> is skiing. So the, I, I, would, I would hope by the point that I could do that, that my studio business would be well enough that I could move anywhere and still have clients. Totally. Right. You know, and just go like disappear into the mountains and find the Yeti and uh, I don't know. Right. Do that thing. Yeah, just, just and be skiing in the meantime and having a good time. Just, uh, yeah. just live the Warren Miller life, but unfortunately, I I sit in my desk and I stare at VU meters, and that makes me happy for some reason. So, <laughs> dude, I met Warren Miller when I was twelve. <gasps> oh my god! Um, he so I'm from Montana. I don't know if you know that. Um, no, I didn't. And so I grew up going to Showdown Ski Resort a lot, and um, it just so happened that one year during the polar plunge. The Children of the Snow had just come out and um, or it was just about to premiere or something like that. And Warren Miller was at Big Sky, dude, that's um, awesome. like signing autographs cool. and what and sitting around. And I remember he signed the sleeve of my white Roxy snowboard. That jacket. is so sick. So excited. So <laughs> I just had to. While you guys are talking about this, I had to look up who Warren Miller was because I don't do any of this. Stuff. That's OK. We don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from Wisconsin. I'm from Wisconsin. We just we don't have anything to I don't ski blame on. You, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's I would love to get into filmmaking like that, just that like huge adventure filmmaking stuff. I've I'm actually making a movie this winter from my whole ski season. Just kind of like traveling traveling around the mountains filming like some of the like the slalom skiers. I'm going to I'm getting into slalom skiing. It's like the powder days, the lifts. The other thing I'm big into is uh chairlift engineering, like um basically car people for chairlifts if that makes sense <laughs> mm. like getting up getting Kinda. up inside those things understanding how they work understanding how yeah. they catastrophically fail and then telling texans on the chairlift about how they catastrophically fail because that's always hilarious right. yeah <laughs> um, i bet <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that reminds me of this um this is kind of tangential but i was just reading something on reddit the other day about this guy who was saying that one of the first submarine um, the first guys to ever like successfully drive a submarine underwater or whatever, he continued to be a submarine captain for like 40 more years. In the time that they were, it was right before or right after the Titanic had sunk. They were going out on and trying to find, um, it was called Operation Titanic. They told the world that they were going to go look for the Titanic, but really they were looking for some nuclear shells that had fallen into the ocean. Sweet. But they actually ended the job early, so they decided to keep 
mulling around out there, and that's how they found the Titanic. Anyway, the guy who was captaining the submarine that found the Titanic's favorite joke when he would have new people on the submarine was because submarines, when they'd go underwater, they condensate and drip on your head. Right. He would look up and go, hmm, that's never happened before. Uh, And just try to freak people the fuck out. That's awesome. Yeah. That's probably Texans, too. (laughs) So I'm just like, I'm basically a local at Eldora now. All the lifties know me. I always kind of chuckle when I get on the chairlift with these people that have like their goggles on upside down and their helmets on backwards. You know, their skis are flipping away. (laughs) The backwards helmet is my favorite, dude. (laughs) Wait, so that's the thing? People don't know like how to put their shit on? Oh, dude, I've seen it all. Oh, yeah. Called the Jerry. They're called called Jerry's? Yeah, Jerry's. Dude. Oh, my God. I would probably be that person. That's why I don't do it. Check out Jerry of the day. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Jerry of the day is good. I have a vivid memory of my cousin falling off the chairlift, like, only 10 feet after we'd already gotten on. (laughs) But the best part was that it had just snowed, like, 16 inches. And so the, the snow underneath the part where he fell, which was only, like, 15 feet drop, was, like, the most clear perfect quintessential powder on the planet and it was like two and a half feet deep oh my God. and he just straight up like face planted <laughs> like cartoon style like limbs everywhere <laughs> skis everywhere and it was just like a s- poof and a silhouette and he was gone it's just awesome. this big person shaped hole and i'll never forget it oh my god <laughs> anyway I, I fell off the lift when i was learning how to ski and i almost pulled my instructor with me <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, Do you no. ever knock it off the chairlift? My cousin, my other cousin did that once. It started it going down. around the circle and he realized oh. he hadn't got off and he started screaming bloody murder. <laughs> <laughs> they had to stop the thing and it was all embarrassing. Oh, that's great. Oh, my God. I love when they stop the lift and you're in the middle of it and you're like, uh, I wonder who fucked up. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so when they, when they stop the lift, that's exactly when I strike on these Texans. When they stop the lift. Um... <laughs> mm, this has never happened before. <laughs> no. No, I, I say that. I say I say, say something along the lines of, "Are we going backwards? <laughs> do you feel Do you feel that? I think we've just lost power. I think." <laughs> and you just see these people bug eye like they said, oh, oh, "Are you from? Uh, do you know do you, uh, what's going to happen?" <laughs> like I don't know, man. You're going to have to jump. Uh, you just. <laughs> that's great that's dude people so funny. straight get stuck on lifts overnight and that shit is kind of funny to me oh i really oh yeah oh yeah and you know they'll they, pretty normal they know really? how, they know how to rescue you i've i've been on some lifts that have shut down and that's you just kind of you're like is this this is my life now <laughs> uh at eldora one time they have some really slow chairs over on the backside, and they get Heinous winds. I talked to a ski patrol the other week. He said they shut it down for 80 miles per hour. <laughs> wow. Oh my god! Be on the wow. mountain. Um, but yeah, I got I got the lift got shut down. One of those slow ones when the wind was just buffeting and this thing's like bouncing and swinging. And I'm just like, uh, guys, <laughs> uh, it's a little too high to jump. It's about 30 feet. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's that's personally when you write the best music too. You know you're. You're near death. Just stuck up in the lift. Yeah. <laughs> stuck on the lift. That's we're gonna make a song, Jaden. It's gonna be called Stuck on the Chairlift. Yes. That's a good song. It's called- <laughs> Sounds like a good I'd listen to that song. It'd just be a bunch of all the all the lyrics and just be like you telling like fake things to Texans. Totally. Yeah. Dude, like yeah. <laughs> dude we rewrote we we rewrote Dude Where's My Car to Dude Where's My Pole when we were sitting on a, a frozen chairlift. That's once. amazing. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> 
Yeah, I really still know the song to this day, too. Oh, God. It's embarrassing. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. anyway. The things we do in the well, mountain. <laughs> yes, yeah. indeed. Well, is there anything that you'd like to plug that you've got coming up here in the near future, Jaden? Yes, I totally forgot. We've got a whole bunch of festivals coming up. Woo! We're playing Camp Euphoria. We're playing Tumble Down in Burlington. Yeah, those those are the two main ones actually. But I'm I'm really looking forward to do Tumble Down. We're uh, all great friends with Twiddle who puts it on, and it'll be our first time back to Vermont, or at least my first time back to Vermont for a few years, and I just love it out there. Yeah, Vermont's cool. Vermont's sweet. Yeah. So yeah, we're playing a couple festivals. Um, I would say to anybody listening, check our Facebook pages. That's where we post the most updates. Just Jaden Carlson Band on Facebook or uh, Instagram. Um. And that's where you can find all the current goings on. Awesome. Yeah. And we usually, uh, everybody, if you didn't hear this on previous episodes, we do provide links for Jaden's music and stuff in the description on SoundCloud. So you can look down there if you are looking for that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We'll post that. And uh, yeah. So be on the lookout, everybody, um, for the upcoming single Skyline. It's tentatively called. uh, And check out Jaden this summer at the two aforementioned festivals that she just said. And uh, Jaden, thank you so much for joining us. It's been yeah, a real pleasure. You. It it's was been great. Pleasure. Thank you guys. Awesome. Well, I'm going to be in Colorado this summer a couple times. I'll reach out to you when I'm there and we can hang out. Excellent. Hit me up and I will uh, bore you out of your mind with your stuff. Oh my God, Sounds I can't great. wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. Have a good day. All right. All right. Thanks so much. Peace Thanks. out. Bye. Bye. All right. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, Jaden. We really appreciate your time and we're stoked to see you performing soon, yeah, hopefully excited. in Minneapolis or something. She's so not young. in Denver. She's so young and so smart and just so talented that I'm super excited just to see you know, five years down the road what she's doing. Yeah, you know? it's going to be it's gonna incredible. Be crazy. Um, have fun in BC, you little shit. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if you're going or not, but you fooled me. Yeah. Um, and then in the last, you know, very pertinent bit of information that's affecting your daily life that we have to share with you today. Not really. Um, they just <laughs> put out the world's first ever picture of a black hole. I don't really know how you'd even do that. Yeah. But it was apparently captured from eight different telescopes around the globe, which I don't really understand that either. That sort of sounds flat earthy to me. But you know what? <laughs> You can... We need to get a scientist as a guest next Yeah, week. yeah. You know that flat earthers call Neil deGrasse Tyson, he who shall not be named? <laughs> Wait, really? <laughs> yeah. I just watched... That's great. I just watched this... Well, yeah. You know what? I'm going to say it like this. I just watched this hilarious documentary on that? Netflix called Beyond the Curve. Yeah, yeah. It made me lol. Really? Um, you should check it out. It's very interesting just to hear what they actually think. Yeah, because it's on my watch I've list. Sort of I'm just stoked like, for it. Ben, I've sort of just discounted ever watching any of the actual conspiracy videos and stuff like that because it just seems so outlandish and hilarious to me innately. Um, but I did watch the documentary and it was eye-opening to see how they actually scientifically view things and stuff like that. But it also was pretty hilarious in several ways. Yeah. Anyway, um, the first picture ever of a black hole... Totally just looks like a really blurry Sasquatch photo of the eye of Sauron. <laughs> so if you wanted to know you're driving in your car right now and you're wondering, ooh, what's a black hole look like? Um, cross your eyes and imagine the eye of Sauron. And there you go. <laughs> it's pretty accurate. Too. Yeah. She kind of nailed that. Yeah. Nailed that you know, so or you could maybe get a toilet paper roll and look down it and cross your eyes. <laughs> so yeah. that's my advice. 
Um, there you go. First black hole. Uh, go check out Jaden Carlson band. And yeah. if you see her playing in your area, go watch her because yeah, she's go badass. Watch her. Check out their uh, synth lords as well. Yeah. With go a Z. like them. Synth lords with a Z. We'll yeah. have all the we'll have the links to all of her stuff here in our SoundCloud in the description. Yes. And that is that for this week's episode. We have some really exciting guests on the horizon here. I'm I'm really stoked to actually yeah. interview and meet a lot of these people. We may have an interview that we're doing out in the Bay Area in a couple weeks. That'll uh, be That's fun. still up in the air. I mean, it's going to probably happen regardless, right? It'll be fun just to record not here for once. Yeah. We've never done that. So remotely yeah. recording instead of remotely recording someone else. Yeah, but we got some, we got like a, a Bay Area name coming at you. We got some a pretty uh, large name in the Denver Boulder area. Coming at you here pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. can they can guess. When they hear that, if they hear special guests from Denver, they're like, Grizz! It's yeah. not Grizz, everybody. That's no, not Grizz. Um, anyway, so as yeah. uh, Harto from My Drunk Kitchen would say at the end of her episode when she's far wasted, so this is that <laughs> for this week. Sounds good. Bye, everybody. <laughs>